0: Hey,
1: Keith. what is happening man uh, n- not too much yeah you uh still healthy you safe you good
0: yeah so far so good and i'm probably going to be secluded for quite a while anyway so I, we we're already pretty cautious but i think we're going to be more cautious based on some stuff that's happened recently that kind of dictates so for us but yeah yeah, are out of control man yeah, COVID's getting a little bit nuts. And then, since we found out my mother in law has cancer and is going to be doing chemo for the next year, doctors are basically like, yeah, we have no idea what could happen to you as you're going through chemo if you got COVID. It would be very bad since we still are really close with them. And when she's not going through treatments, she still wants to watch our daughter to just bring some joy into her life. Cause she's basically like the doctors told her that at least while there's any sign of a pandemic out there, like she just needs to not go anywhere or do anything more or less. So we'll still let Eden over there, but that means we have to keep ourselves pretty secluded. So none of us get sick so that we don't potentially get Tammy sick down the road, but. That's probably generally the best approach that everybody can do at the moment anyway. As, I don't
1: know why it's so hard, but I get why it's hard and tiresome. And, oh yeah, man, everybody's got to do their, their part. I have three friends and one family member in the past three days test positive. So.
0: Nuts. Yeah. Uh, um, buddy of mine and his roommate both have COVID. And then they're like, yeah, we were at a party and somebody tested positive. I'm like, well, there's your problem, dude. Like, why'd you go to a party? Like, uh. <laughs> yeah. We went there, to, yeah. uh, we went to a get together for a Kendra's grandma or something. Cause it, she always has a get together before she goes to Florida for the like winter or whatever, just to see the extended family. And she's like 89. So we went there and they're like having a potluck and stuff. And Kendra and I were like, we're not eating here. Like we're just going to eat before we come and we'll wear a mask the entire time we're here. But like, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, in general, this is a pretty, pretty rough idea and yeah. would be, be horrible if you know her grandma got sick just because based on her age too so yeah was, this is just a weird time we pretty much already canceled our uh family get-togethers for like thanksgiving and christmas like we've just resigned the fact that like those aren't going to happen
1: yeah that's good I'm, uh, I'm afraid to have that conversation but yeah. yeah we need it needs to happen so we were supposed to go to uh arizona for christmas this year first time leaving for christmas but uh we're not doing that anymore so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, how are uh, programming things going, or business things, or whatever? Business uh, how are they things going are, for you?
1: They're, they're okay. They're, they're pretty good. So, uh, still working on the process architecture on Juve. I'm literally almost done, and about an hour before this, I got much farther. So I had one. Nice. Little tiny thing. I thought I, ha- I thought it was a little t- little and tiny enough to go. And that was when you boot up Juvé, it starts a uh, cowboy process to take in requests from the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this will work uh, for things like your events endpoints, or your action endpoints, or the menu endpoints in Slack, and all that can be configured so that you can say, hey. When you create your app on Slack, you say, hey, for all events, send it to this URL. So that URL needs to be configurable on Jubei's side as well, or I would like it to be. Yeah. So creating routes, however, using the the router plug is is more difficult than I thought it was going to be because all of those routes are defined at compile time. So since they're configured, I was trying to kind of create those at runtime because it, it, it would get the configuration at runtime uh, uh-huh. instead of using the configuration at compile time. The reason for that is I didn't want all these other modules to, to kind of have the application configuration leak into their modules. But it looks like that's the way I'm going to have to do it for, for this endpoint uh, process. So I figured out I got it working right before. Uh, I just need mm-hmm. to some refactoring on the spot excited about how it's how it uh, how it's loaded and all that stuff so nice but yeah yeah after today i should i should be done with that the process architecture which will allow me to kind of start the base of te- the new tattoo so that tattoo can consume events and actions and things like that and respond to those so that's my next plan as soon as uh this process architecture is complete i'm going to start a new tattoo project awesome yeah. So I'm excited for that. Uh, one other thing I did is I created a, an email. I haven't sent it out yet to customers, but I, I sent, I'm i going to send an email out to all the uh, Tatsu active customers. It's pretty exciting because it's going to do three things. One, I'm going to start collecting money on Tatsu again, starting on December 1st. Back, back in March, I...
0: Oh yeah. I forgot that you made this free for businesses. I made, right. I made
1: it free because I wanted it to be one less thing that companies had to worry about during the pandemic Mm -hmm. little did i know that the world's most powerful uh, rich country in the world would do such a poor job of handling this virus so i've i've kind of burnt through almost all the savings that tatsu has
0: oh yeah i didn't even think about that that yeah the cost to the yeah that would be pretty staggering
1: yeah it costs about 400 bucks a month so yeah that's uh so that's why I'm going to start collecting again, because who knows when this is going to end. Uh-huh. So it's going to start collecting fees on that. I'm also releasing uh, a feature that I had in beta for the past year, which is kind of a new a new way that Tetsu asks questions. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm calling the current engine that Tetsu runs on kind of the synchronous round-robin engine, where... Uh, mm-hmm. In the room that you set Tetsu up in, it will go and inside that channel just kind of goes through each participant and ask them stand up questions. Well, this this new engine I built like last year basically does this asynchronous workflow where it DMs everybody that's participating in the stand up, their questions, and then they can all answer on their own time. And when they answer, all the questions or all the answers get filtered back into the channel that you have Tetsu set up. And it's pretty rock solid. It's it's been working. I just never released it. I have about fifteen teams using it, but never kind of fully released it. Oh, gotcha. So I'm going to release that, and then the third thing I'm going to do is kind of announce Juve to, I'm sorry, uh, Tatsu two and kind of uh, kind of just hint at the new stuff that's going to be available, and then have them have a separate uh, newsletter sign up they can sign up for too.
0: Smart. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea.
1: So yeah, that's that's um, kind of what I've been doing the past two weeks. What my plans are the next the next week or so. How uh, how was uh, you? Oh my,
0: I'm okay. Uh, I actually do <laughs> want to bounce back and talk about your stuff a little bit oh, um, sure. before we move on to my my things. But yeah, so the Juve process architecture uh, was a very humbling experience on the metaprogramming side of things, just from our little pairing earlier. Yeah. Like, it really shows me how little I know about what metaprogramming goes on in a lot of the the popular DSLs that I, I like to use, right? And so, like, Phoenix, for instance, we looked at a little bit of Phoenix's source code, and there was a whole load of, like, huh? Yeah, yeah what exactly. Is going on here?
1: Like, how, what is going on here? Yeah, I'm, I was the same way. I was, like, I thought I knew the metaprogramming stuff pretty well, but there's a lot of, like, details in the
0: implementation Um, well yeah a a big portion of it i think that throws me off is like i could metaprogram all day in ruby right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you only ever work with runtime stuff exactly and it's It's not a big deal yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh but yeah this was a big difference just with the macros and the concept of certain things happening at compile time versus working in the at at runtime Runtime. and just Mm -hmm. the, the difference that that makes
1: That's why I I thought, oh, I just have this tiny little thing to do. I'll just, uh, based on configuration, create these routes. And it's like, oh, Yeah, big
0: difference. And I think a part of that, the misconception there, is the fact that Elixir looks so much like Ruby, right? It can Mm -hmm. almost give you a little bit of false confidence in how it's going to work to do certain things. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There's a little bit of that syntax can pull the wool over your eyes for a second and make you think that, oh, I've been doing this forever. It looks exactly the same.
1: Yeah, it's gotten me kind of scared about the router portion of Juve's MVC framework. So I built a router in the in kind of the Ruby world and as far as like how requests are handled from Slack. Um, uh-huh. And they're routed through this router that I built. And it's pretty easy actually to build and uh, using basically instance of Al and Ruby. Um, uh-huh. And but this, like this is like just based on looking at the Phoenix router, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be quite the... Uh, quite the undertaking much more than I thought it was going to be. So.
0: Well, I think the way that you've extracted things off with just the, the code that you showed that worked. And then did you look at the pseudo code that I sent you for? Like, I think this might be like an abstract way that you can do this later on. Yes. yes. Um, I think Sorry. going down that route, you might be able to have a very simple router. And then it's just a matter of like, you're going to have to provide a base module that they can basically use, right. In order to set up their like handler for each sort of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can, can abstract away a lot of those little things and, and make it just easier for you to work with. Cause it might be one of those things where setting up the router, essentially they, they just don't have a router that they set up and going down that path, but then you could have something where you have your integrations and that within the integrations, you have different handlers that you need. So for Slack, they have events and actions and et cetera, and you could specify different modules for handling those things. And you would just, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, that but
1: route. the, uh. The, the router that I'm speaking about is kind of uh, a level above kind of the endpoint router that we have.
0: So basically... Oh, the endpoint, I, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah.
1: So the endpoint router is basically, hey, when Slack sends me an event, you, you know, it goes to this uh, function, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: that function is going to have a lot of different logic in it. It's not just like people can't... Like, that's going to be the main... Uh, crux of of what jv can do like it's going to take that request it's going to figure out how to route that request and create a controller on that request and call call an action and it's going to pass in the bot and it's going to have some middleware so that piece of like just simply receiving a, a an endpoint or a request from slack has a lot of stuff underneath it the router i'm talking about is once you get that request, how do you decipher uh, when it's this event should go to this controller and this in action, or when you yeah, yep. click on this button with this callback ID, it should go to this controller and this this action. So <clears throat> that's the router that's that's gonna be a little more yeah. basically I'm gonna create I'm creating a whole new DSL. Yeah, you'll it'll similar. need a new DSL. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna look similar to a Phoenix router, but it's gonna have a different PSL. Yep,
0: um, that makes sense. So, yeah. I I kind of forgot about that layer of it, you have routers on routers on routers.
1: Yeah, that's the, actually I was gonna bring this question up later down the line, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering how I break this project out. So like, if somebody doesn't want all the MVC, I wanna make it possible so that if somebody doesn't want all the MVC stuff of today, like they just want the ability to get events and stuff, and ingest that stuff, and you have a bot to handle certain things. That's kind of, I want to have that separate from like Juve's MVC stuff.
0: Okay. Kind, so. kind of similar to
1: like rails like if you just want to use active record just use active record but if you want to use rails and you get active record and you get action view and you get all that stuff right
0: uh yeah yeah i mean i, mean, I guess phoenix, phoenix. phoenix does a similar thing i suppose it breaks out things like phoenix html into its own thing which you are likely not going to use on your own mm-hmm. um and yeah and like
1: live view and stuff that's kind of
0: separate. yeah those are most of those you don't pull in individually right like it's mm-hmm. a thing that phoenix itself consumes when you bring in my concern with those and this comes a little bit from the like node perspective right of like billions of micro packages that all depend on one another and you have six thousand dependencies and you're i don't think you're going to go down that route of like running into that particular problem but i do think having things broken up does put you at risk of breaking them up too much and creating a package that in reality is completely not useful unless it's used in the context of the greater tool and I, I think some of those tools are detrimental when they're broke out and like exist on their own because you go, well, okay, I can just uh, use this. But then it's like, hey, in reality, like you're going to get potentially issues on those things where people are using it in context that you don't give a crap about as the maintainer. Mm-hmm. And that's like a, just a potential avenue of things that if we're talking in open source land could potentially take up your time. And so that that is one thing that I would maybe potentially look at is like, if you keep it sort of contained, then you do it's easier to steer one ship than it is to steer six ships, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's like a potential concern that it might not even be real, but it's an idea that I have in my head of like, if you have too many of these things broken up, then you can run into problems. But if you just want, want to basically have like the endpoint router be separate from the MVC stuff, like does Juve really exist outside of the MVC stuff though?
1: I think it can. I think, I think basically the the base of Juve is the framework to receive events, and then you can just handle these events in your bot, and you you know you're just going to get the raw request, and you can do whatever you want with it. My idea oh, okay. around splitting those out, like maybe somebody else wants to write the Sinatra version of you know Juve, and so they may want to use that part. And that, okay, gotcha
0: yeah so, i think I think that would actually make sense because you, we've talked about this before where you're like Juve can be the front end for any different bot that's behind the scenes mm-hmm. it's so at that point I would also like that's like Juve proxy right would be the package name of it because that's all it is it's literally an mm-hmm. event proxy mm-hmm. and it's just proxying to a different back end so mm-hmm. yeah that could legitimately be uh a, a good yeah candidate to to split out into its own thing is have yeah. like
1: yeah I'm not gonna say like, like I'm not gonna have like you know fourteen different packages I'm just, yeah yeah I, I think I see three. I see like the base or the proxies you just say it. I see the API wrapper. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm gonna write my own API wrapper or use one of the existing ones. Not quite sure because I don't really know the existing ones too well. Um, and then the third one would be kind of the NBC framework. Of course, if you, you know, installed JV, you would get all that stuff. But you may just wanna install a JV proxy or whatever, right? Yeah. I think Juve
0: proxy being separate is like completely makes sense based on the goals that you've laid out for the project. So yeah, that, that does make sense to me. And I think it's a, it's a good dividing line too. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, this is my, you know, this is the event bus almost, right? Like this is just, just for event handling. It's going to receive requests and divvy those out to other things, whether that's, it makes another request to a different machine or it, you know, send delegates off to a different uh, module in Elixir land. That's completely up to you. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would make sense. Okay. Cool. Cool. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Okay. I'm glad we talked about that. Cause I was, um, for whatever reason, when I was thinking about the endpoint, I was just going to like, Oh yeah, you're just going to have these mapped modules, the map to the things. I completely forgot about the, like naming specific events and moving yeah. <laughs> and going down that route. So yeah, that was just, yeah. just goes to show you how little I work with Slack stuff.
1: Yeah. I should show you the, uh, some point I'll show you the the stuff I build in Ruby and, uh, You'll, you'll be able to see kind of the whole picture from there. Yeah, um, it's also it's also part of a blog post I want to work on, like what Juve is basically. That's that has more concrete code and, and examples and stuff nice. that people can download. So that's also on my uh, list of stuff
0: to do. Oh, cool. So uh, what are okay, yeah. you been up to, man? So for my stuff, um, yeah. So just just go back. We missed a a podcast report recording because I found out that my mother-in-law has cancer and it was just a bad, like emotional week. Mm-hmm. And then, so we just skipped one and we're coming back here. But my goal coming into this whole thing is I wanted to release a YouTube video on Coda Journey and I have not, I have have it actually done. I have it recorded. I don't have it edited. Oh, nice. And the reason for that is because I don't want to mix work with my stuff so i don't have a mac anymore and so i'm i do all of this stuff on windows land now and this particular video wasn't just like a programming exercise sort of thing like i'm not just doing tutorial stuff it's actually an explainer sort of video where i'm using um, slides and visualizations to explain the kubernetes architecture basically like how kubernetes works Oh. And the reason for that is because my most popular video is what is Kubernetes and just talks to you know, like, it gives you the 10,000 foot view. This is giving you like the 100 foot view where it's like, this is how all of the internal parts of Kubernetes work. So you have an understanding of what a cluster architecture is. Nice. And then I'm going to have another one that's an in, in-between that is like, this is the practitioner level layer of like, you are working with Kubernetes. These are all the the Legos that Kubernetes provides for you to do things. And what do they do? And what does it mean? So that's going to be my third one in the, the series there. But I wanted to go. This one, since I have you know a video with like six hundred thousand views on it, I can leverage the views that that thing still gets to try to drive some more traffic back in here. Just using a card to basically say, like, "Oh, you want to know more about how how Kubernetes mm-hmm. works? Then here you go." Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the reason for that is basically that I want, I need the YouTube algorithm to to think I'm relevant again, because Aww. over time there's well i mean it's just gone down over time because i haven't released anything and so that means i'm getting fewer new views right because things that are old and continue to get views are great and in fact like this one particular video and like three different react videos or actually honestly probably the whole react series and the whole kubernetes series drove like massive amounts of growth to the youtube channel over the course of the last three years where when i haven't been doing anything like i went from 4,000 subscribers to 18,000 subscribers without me ever doing anything on the back of like six videos that stayed relevant for a pretty long time. But as those, there's been more and more competition uh, around those particular topics or whatever, and people just be like, oh, there's a new you know, a new video from somebody else over here that explains a similar concept and nothing new has been given by me that is gaining any new views. Uh, YouTube's just like de-emphasized my stuff. So I need to put something out there and I wanted to put something that I could have a means to drive more traffic to.
1: Damn YouTube, that's like a one-way relationship. Do some work, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. exactly. YouTube's been YouTube's been doing all the work at this yeah. point. Um, no, so I'm, I'm saying
1: you have to do all the work. So, so YouTube's still your friend. It's not a good. Oh yeah, YouTube. yeah, exactly.
0: I, I have to, you know, remind it about our relationship. We are long lost uh, companions. Aww. But so, anywho, I had to learn basically how to do this. I usually do these same kind of videos in Keynote, and like that's how I would do it for mm-hmm. work. Keynote is awesome, and uh, PowerPoint is powerful. I will give it that. There's a lot you can do with it, but uh, good God, is it impossible to find anything inside? Like I've, I've also what?
1: I hate dude. Keynote. Is you know that's one that's one reason I own a Mac right there. Is, is Keynote.
0: Yeah, Keynote's fantastic, and it's like I haven't found too many things that I actually want to do that I cannot do in Keynote. That I can do in PowerPoint and and by haven't found any things. I literally haven't found one, but it's just infinitely easier for me to do things inside of keynote one, because the sidebar is consistent and it's always there. And it's contextually aware to the thing that you're working with. Honestly, that is why Keynote is, mm-hmm. is more efficient for me. Instead of being like, is this in a ribbon, or is this in a menu, or is this in a submenu of right. a right. ribbon item? The, right, you
1: just have the inspector, and that's all you really need
0: for. Yeah, out. exactly. The inspector makes Keynote like super yeah. efficient for me. So learning how to do the equivalent of all the things I want to do normally uh, in Keynote and PowerPoint has taken me some time. Additionally, I've reworked this particular presentation like four times before actually landing on the one that I liked. And it brings up a funny conversation piece of imposter syndrome and me legitimately just being afraid to release a new video after years Uh is kind of what it came down to. I realized that I was floundering on the things that I was working on. And I'm like, it's because I'm nervous and it makes legitimately no sense, right? Mm -hmm. I create videos that are this quality or worse. I mean, sometimes depending on the content or whatever, right? Like, I feel like this is a pretty good video that I'm about to release. I create these videos that literally thousands of people watch per day for my job. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: People pay, watch these videos and don't complain about the fact that they had to pay to watch these videos. So I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Like I actually am not horrible at doing these things. So so why the hell am I nervous about (laughs) putting this thing out on the internet? That is like, well thought out. I believe it's well explained. And, uh, well-produced so yeah it's just been a really weird like last couple weeks as i've been like completely just started from the ground up and reworked this thing like three or four times and just like man why am i such an idiot about this right now
1: yeah i think that's the same reason why like i have uh thousands of dollars worth of video equipment sitting on the other side of my office that i just literally ordered cords for yeah like i'm like trying to like create these videos it's amazing imposter syndrome like that's that's why i'm just like that's the reason why people just buy new notebooks and and, and new equipment instead of actually doing the work I think. so mm-hmm. I, I feel you but you are have already kind of talked some sense into yourself so
0: yeah this one is yeah. just a funny one because like in certain things you know imposters obviously imposter syndrome especially like tech land people run into it all the time it's very very common to feel like oh my god everybody's going to find out i'm a fraud I don't have any problem admitting I'm wrong. So imposter syndrome tends not to be an issue for me. Like I'm, I'm pretty open about the fact Like I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so that sort of limits that feeling that I get. And it doesn't mean I'm not good at what I do or whatever. It just means, you know, as a programmer, I feel like I'm a pretty good programmer. Actually, it just shows that I know what I don't know, or I know that I don't know things and that that's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a weird one when it's like, I'm like, I probably would be considered like an expert in this kind of role, right? Of like teaching technical subjects. I'm pretty good at this stuff. So why in the world would I feel imposter syndrome about the thing that I legitimately do? at a professional level in this way it's very weird to me but yeah it's um, just
1: people are people are jerks so yeah, i think you're afraid of
0: the i don't of even that. get negative comments on stuff like that's the thing like i yeah. <laughs> all my, i have like a 97 like upvote rating on my content and uh on youtube like i get very few like thumbs down occasionally I get a, like a question or most of the time i get comments that are like questions or they'll be like from a rails tutorial that's four years old and like it, you know, it was with rails five, one or something like that, or four, four, two or something like, that. you know, it's just old. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, Oh yeah, sorry, this is probably broke. Uh, there's literally no way for me to edit a YouTube video. Once it's been posted, I can change like the title and description and whatnot, but I can't change the video itself. So yeah, it's just a very funny one that made me kind of laugh a little bit. Uh, other things that I have kind of worked on. I wanted to talk about the imposter syndrome thing just for anybody who's listening that ever feels this way. Like even if you're really good at it, occasionally it still crops up and it's, I just, it's because humans are stupid. Yeah.
1: When, uh, so when are you going to release this thing?
0: man? Uh, so I'm actually going to release it on Tuesday and that is a hundred percent just because of my YouTube analytics. Uh, if I'm releasing on a weekly uh, cadence or, or some odd weekly, like that's, that's the best day and best time. So Tuesday at 6am is when I'm going to release it to where. I have the most active audience over the course of the next 24 hours.
1: Cool, so it'll um, be out by the time people hear this.
0: So. Yeah, by the time people hear this, it'll be out. But yeah, so so Tuesday, uh, the week of the 15th or whatever. So it's probably a, the 16th or something. It'll be
1: in
0: the show notes. Yeah, 17th, I think. Um, it'll be out that morning. Um, that's just in hopes. YouTube gives you this little disclaimer of like, it doesn't really matter. We don't We don't see like a large, like on a giant macro scale of there being any correlation between when you release something and how well it does Um, basically people who work in youtube land do find that like the faster you're able to get views initially the more likely that the youtube algorithm is going to suggest that to other people who are not like on your subscriber list or whatever so the the quicker you get views on a new video the the better it ends up performing in the long run and the more like general traffic you're your channel is going to get. So I'm trying to optimize that, especially for the first video back, because it did look like when I was doing like the live streaming stuff and leaving those videos up, they would still get a couple hundred views in the first day or whatever, which I thought was pretty good considering I hadn't done anything in a while. My overall views for the channel went down at that point because I was putting out new stuff that wasn't being consumed at the same level. And that's because nobody wants to watch my like hour long video. So it's really not good as a vod. So I I took those down because I was like I just think I just hurt myself and the YouTube algorithm a little bit, and I need to put more consumable things up there for people to look at. So Absolutely. yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. I oh uh, my, you would have been one of the people who got my Patreon email probably.
1: Ah uh, yes, I did. That was a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I just thought about this. I told, I said I was going to change that on the 15th. I have a reminder in my phone. But basically, uh, I still have a Patreon, and I have like three people who are patrons, you, my father-in-law, and then like some random dude. I read some of the exit interview things like when people stop subscribing. And there were some really funny ones in there where it was like he died. Rip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that, meant, that kind of made me laugh. It doesn't tell you like who that was. that said this, so I could be like, hey, I'm still alive if you want to come back. <laughs> but it just made me laugh to kind of read that like bummer. He just stopped making stuff or whatever. So I'm changing that to be less confusing. So I'm going to change that. I'm still going to have it be there, even though it like basically isn't going to make any money, but I'm going to set it to be monthly. Um, One, because that is just easier for people to understand and budget for. Yeah. Because it's on a per uh, creation thing right now. And, the first time I had to send messages to some people who subscribed the first time around because I was like, hey, this Patreon is per release. So that it's like a weekly if I'm keeping up with myself. So I'm like, you just like subscribe for like $20 over the course of the month. You probably don't want to give me 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so setting it to monthly is a, a lot easier for people to digest. So I'm going to change that over. But I wasn't sure if I changed it over if it was going to immediately bill everybody. So I wanted to give basically uh, this other dude the ability to back out. I need gonna- to rework <laughs> my perks, too, I think.
1: Yeah, and- what are you going to charge, I think?
0: New patreon format. oh i mean patreon is you they're like different tiers it works the same way as yeah. uh, your thing does but like yeah i'll probably change the tiers to just be like one fives or whatever
1: mm-hmm. one five
0: ten something something rather like that i might change i I'll probably change the tiers that exist right now. I will just change them to be monthly instead of per occurrence, which will actually be way better uh, bang for your buck on some of those things. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, and some of those were like, I had tiers where it was like, oh yeah, dude, if you give me 50 bucks per video. I will totally pair with you a, <laughs> a couple times a month or whatever. There's some <laughs> funny ones in there. Cause I'm like, dude, if you're going to drop that kind of cash. Uh, just being nice. That's, that's pretty great. But So that's something I'm doing uh, on the Juniper's lab front. Uh, I did program a little bit of that recently just kind of dabbling with it, even though I've been out for a long time. I had set up my like marketing page at a point uh, during a live stream a while back. And I never publicized that at all. So like, the only place that's ever been mentioned is here and in the live stream that I set it and the next one, I think. But it has a newsletter sign up on it. And I have like 20 people on my newsletter that nobody should know about yet. So that I thought that was pretty cool, and I looked and like they're legitimate email addresses. They don't look like they're bot stuff, which is cool.
1: Nice. So yeah,
0: that was kind of exciting. But I'm excited to to get back and work on that a little bit. I'm trying uh, to. You're,
1: yeah, you're going to do your live streams.
0: Maybe is is where I'm going to land on that. I've obviously the last, honestly, my last couple of months have been real weird. On like uh, there've been a, an emotional and uh, energetic roller coaster in a way. But the way things are kind of working out now, especially now that. Like we have to have a backup babysitter since Tammy's going to be out for chemo and and stuff like that is things are changing around a little bit. My schedule is going to be even weirder. And I've been in the situation where I cannot find any time to work out because I don't have the energy right now to wake up any earlier than I do. And I don't have a regular schedule that allows me to, to work out and and certain things, but I need to like work out more frequently. My, uh, my sister-in-law's twin sister, she's like probably 33, had a heart attack the other day. Oh my God. And, and it made me go, "Oh, okay." I mean, she's like way unhealthy, but uh, yeah. still, I'm like, I've got kids. I should probably, you know, and like, uh, both sides of my family have a history of heart disease and stuff like that. I'm like, I need to work out again. Like, I'm I'm getting fat, and it can't just all be pregnancy sympathy weight.
1: Right. Um,
0: by the way, we're having a boy. Did I ever tell you that? No. Oh yeah, we're having no. a little boy. So yeah. Oh, congrats, dude. Yeah, thanks. Congrats. So we'll have. Never, one never could do that. Never could do that. Never could pull that one off.
1: No, takes a uh, man to make a boy.
0: Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, I don't know. But <laughs> so, cool. But yeah, basically, I'm probably going to work out on the the days that I would normally live stream. I want to work out during my lunch, which is the, when I would stream. So gotcha. we'll see. I might still be able to pull it off. Maybe I'll shift some time on those days to just give myself like a two hour lunch in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um. And a, a, a and friend, if that works out, then France I will. Lunch. Yeah, give myself a French, really big French lunch. lunch the france lunch but yeah i would like to get back to live streaming though but i'm not going to commit to that right now so cool man i guess over the next two weeks it is actually release said youtube video start working on the next one and um and try to do a little bit of progress in juve or not juve in uh juniper's lab more or less getting myself re-onboarded to the project for the sixth time i feel like so i know where i was even going before
1: cool oh what's your schedule like with like video do you like to have one recorded while you're editing one like do you have like a set schedule so you can like release one every week
0: or are you talking for Coder Journey or are you talking yeah, for, for like Coder, work for Coder,
1: stuff? Journey. Coder Journey
0: I'm not going to commit to being like I'm a weekly YouTuber or yeah. whatever because at that moment right now like that's just literally it's taken me three and a half years it feels like to <laughs> to release a video so literally, um, yeah so I'm not going to commit to that right now normally I always work on these things one one at a time I like to okay have a content calendar as an idea so like right now I have a backlog of like what my next video is going to be about I like to at least be worked ahead by that but I always focus on one at a time and just getting it through the stages of uh preparation production post-production and release so yeah, that's my normal approach. If I'm doing things for like work and working on course stuff, then I do, I work in batches. So I do the pre-production work or, you know, the prep work. I do that for like five to six videos at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'll record all of the videos in rapid succession. Like I just one after the other, after the other. And then I go into re- put my re- like editing hat on and I video edit for like, you know, a few hours. And then I just get those things all out uh, at the same time. And that's just cool. because while you're doing the same kind of work, you have less content content context switching. But if I were to do like I'm going to record, edit, go back, read a different thing, record, edit, like there you just lose that time of efficiency in between each of the the types of work that you're doing. So I just try to minimize that as much as I can.
1: Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward All to right. the videos.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm excited to see where you end up with the the Juve stuff now that you've made some some headway on that uh the thought was going to be a small problem, but ended up being like a masterclass and how complicated metaprogramming can be.
1: Yeah. I'm excited because like, this is like the base stuff that needs to be done. So now I can start streaming and thinking of uh, videos to, to produce and things like
0: that. Yeah. Now you can start working on user land features, Mm, mm -hmm, which is much more exciting to talk about. Like right now you're working on the, the plumbing. Yeah. And look at
1: all the processes yeah. that start up when yeah you start your day. yep
0: yeah. so and that's like while rewarding from being the person who's building it to know you have a strong foundation is not as exciting to talk about unless you're talking to somebody who's like has the same understanding of the problem or whatever
1: yeah cool man well i will uh, chat with you in a couple of weeks
0: sounds good Peace. peace